Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back, Indianapolis. This is Kendall and Casey. Thanks for listening to the show. Not Rob Kendall or Casey Daniels. This is Ethan Hatcher. And sitting across from me is Brad Klopfenstein. Together we're filling in. I'm playing the role of Casey today. (laughs) And you're pretty too. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, but this segment, I wanted to revisit um, a conversation with the uh, esteemed Jason Hammer uh, we had for my show Saturday night on The Circle discussing New York's moronic decision to come after their hallowed tradition, their delicious goodness of wood and coal fired pizza ovens. They have antipathy for the small business owner, and now you got to cough up potentially tens of thousands of dollars uh, so they can facilitate a 75% uh, reduction in emissions from coal coal and wood-fired pizza ovens. Here's the conversation. Now, this was a story which caught my attention. I can't believe the bozos of New York City have decided that coal and wood-fired pizza ovens are the most important thing to target at a time when people are running around the subway threatening others and stabbing people, murders are going on, shootings in the street. But, oh, no, it's the pizza ovens, you understand, we got to target. 75% emissions reduction they're seeking. This is a policy proposed by the New York City Department of Environment environmental protection and most comically the spokesman Ted Timbers which by the way just sounds like you know really flabby bureaucrat name my name is Ted Timbers right and he he uh, kind of trots out there and says all new yorkers deserve to breathe healthy air and wood and coal-fired stoves are among the largest contributors of harmful pollutants in neighborhoods with poor air quality this common sense rule was developed with restaurant and environmental justice groups sounds like if Jerry Nadler and Droopy had a kid right there. <laughs> so, with all due respect to the uh, fine folks at the DEP in New York City, oh if their God. argument is that, well, these awful coal-burning, fire-burning pizzerias are making it hard for people to breathe, if that's your argument... I would counter with, you know what else is making it harder to breathe? Being shot in the chest. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because that's a much bigger problem in New York than anything the pizzerias are doing. Getting accosted on the subway, being put in a tough situation where you're running for your life, that makes it tougher to breathe than anything these pizzerias are doing. The citizens are rightly outraged by this atrocity, and one conservative artist by the name of Scott Labedo brought his discontent to the footsteps of City Hall, where we have audio from the scene. The woke-ass idiots who run the city <laughs> are doing everything in their power to destroy it. We have naked men with their t- bouncing around all over the city yesterday, in public, in front of children. We have the most violent raging crime rate ever. We are being invaded by illegal immigrants who are being treated way better than our homeless veterans, our teachers and first responder heroes who were fired, still not compensated because they didn't take the Fauci injection. Our city schools produce the dumbest kids, and the wokeest folks <laughs> who run New York City are afraid of pizza. The world used to respect New Yorkers as tough, thick-skinned, and gritty. Now we have become fight. It's a damn shame. You heard of the Boston Tea Party? Well, this is the New York Pizza Party. Let's give go! us pizza or give us death. I'm here for it. 
know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It's anti-Italian discrimination. <laughs> little uh, Sopranos reference I like in. that. I like that. <laughs> Honestly, this is the one issue where I think you can get Republicans and Democrats yeah. to both come together and go, what in the hell's going on around here? Think of all of the things wrong with New York City. You've got a rodent problem. You've got a murder problem. You've got a subway problem. You have got gangs and all types of hell breaking loose. And you're going to go out of your way to screw over yeah. one of the few things that's making people happy in the city? One of the things that New York is most iconic for, the New York slice of pizza. And and they're just, I mean, now the coal-fired and wood-fired stoves, they don't have to go away, mind you. They're not banning them yet. Yet is the key word there because they already came after your stoves. Right. Um, but they want you to have these expensive, like twenty thousand dollar systems, which right. one Brooklyn shop owner is already installed, and they want you uh, to hire an engineer and architect to assess the feasibility. Of these ins- companies <laughs> don't have that type of money. No. These mom and pop pizza shops, even as successful as they are, and some have been in New York for a long time, they can't. Can't just drop what they're doing, install this big, elaborate cooking system because it's more than just adding an oven. You've got to add a bunch of other stuff to keep it up to code, too. So you're screwing over the people bringing joy to your city just because you want to look more progressive than your already woken progressive mayor. This is after being taxed through the nose, which they are in New York City, and also having to deal with the precipitously high rent rates, just as a natural, uh, you know, course of the market there, properties more valuable, and they just have enormous hurdles to to overcome in order to eke out a profit on an industry that historically has very thin margins. And through all of this, that's kind of the highlight and takeaway here. It's the businesses who suffer under the weight of these government mandates, mismanagement, and laziness in the face of more pressing problems. But the thing is, Ethan, and we see this here in Indianapolis. Uh Uh-huh. They will keep electing the same people in New York. They will keep voting Democrat. They will keep voting blue. The same people complaining, yay, we can't afford this brand new stove, eh? They're going to vote for the same people trying to screw them over. And we see this here in Indianapolis. The same people who are upset about the crime, the same people who think it's embarrassing that the Broad Ripple Village is going to close down early so Uh they're not the scapegoat for crime, they're going to keep electing Uh the same morons. Oh, don't don't get me started on uh, what I think of Jefferson Shreve's odds come the general election in November. I mean, more power to him. He certainly got my vote, but uh, you know, now we have the tough on crime Joe Hogsett, which still isn't tough enough to inspire the business community of Broad Ripple to stay open because now they're closing. Of course, this is a voluntary measure by the community, but it's ridiculous because of Joe Hogsnats, uh, Hogsnots out of control Indianapolis that business owners have to suffer and lose money closing at 1 a.m. And the media in the city, outside of WIBC, completely gutless. Mm -hmm. Because I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but I think this is really important. Any other major city, even if it's very blue, like Indianapolis is, Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, you name it, if the mayor went missing during the Mm -hmm. riots, Mm -hmm. it would be a major deal. Could you imagine the Chicago media or the New York media if the mayor just disappeared while the city was burning down? That happened here. Yeah, Lori Lightfoot just... (gasps) Right. That happened here. But all the little butt sniffers and the TV stations, they are so 
bloodthirsty for access because they want to be at the next press conference and they want to be invited to all the fancy dinners and events. Nobody calls him out on that. But when Joe Hogsett acts like Mr. Tough Guy, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it a gun-free zone. It's DEFCON 1. It's all the coverage he can handle, and it's absolutely sickening. All of this is in the wake of a three-person shooting over the weekend in Broad Ripple, to which I say, oh, now you pay attention. Three-person shootings are the norm over on the east side of Indianapolis. I remember just a couple weeks ago, there were like two people, one in the house and one on the front lawn, that were found just around the corner from where I live. But now, because it happens in Broad Ripple on a prominent business community, and because it's an election year, That's what now, now Hawk's not going to pay attention. And it's absolutely disgusting and infuriating, most of all because I truly think he's going to get away with it, Jason. That's what concerns me, like you pointed out, is the idiots are going to keep voting for him again. There's go uh, Like I saw quotes on a primary day from the Indianapolis Star where they're like, well, you know, he has a plan. He just needs more time to get it together. After eight years! No. The Star will carry his water because there's a D next to his name. That's what it is. So let me run this by you. You're a smart guy. You're a political savvy guy from the University of Indianapolis. What's right and what's wrong with Jefferson Shreve's campaign right now. Because I've said, I love the fact that he spent so much money in the primary. That gave me hope. It showed me he was willing to spend the money. Mm -hmm. But right now, the last couple of weeks, you've got a lot of material to play with. And he's done nothing. He's been nowhere to be found. It tells me, and I hate saying this, and I really hope I'm wrong, the fight isn't there. And because if you're going to knock out Boss Hogsett, who is the gorilla in the city, in a 60 to 40 Democrat to Republican registered voter county, you got to throw some haymakers. you got to go full General Sherman and burn it to the ground yeah. and die trying. No, you already answered the question, where's the fire from Jefferson Shreve? And he's already out there on the record saying, well, I sympathize with the thoughts of Joe Hogsett. Why the hell do you? Who because first of all, that? Well, first of all, what Joe Hogsett proposed is moronic, because because closing early and instituting a few gun-free zones in the city or in the municipality of Broad Ripple is not going to solve the crime problem in Indianapolis because that's not where the crime is happening. Um, you know, but I digress to say you sympathize with that idiotic plan is the worst thing you can do as a challenger to a strong incumbent. What is going on? And he has the millions of dollars. What I'm most afraid of is he's eventually going to fold like a cheap suit and decide to pull out because it's not worth the investment of millions of dollars on a surefire loss. Is he getting that Mitt Romney feel? Yeah. Because if you remember, when yeah. Mitt Romney was competing for the ultimate prize against Barack Obama, Romney had a puncher's chance. Ram- Romney did well in the debates. He honestly won the debates. But the final month and a half, where the hell did he go? He went missing. Well, did he do that well when he was getting a uh, uh, penalty flagged in the debates and just put up with that kind of kind of nonsense? True, yeah. but I mean, if you watch his <laughs> debate performances on the actual issues that matter, same thing with Mike Pence against Kamala well, look, Harris in the last vice presidential debate. Everybody talks about the fly, right? That's the takeaway from that debate. But if you really break down the substantive matter of that debate, Mike Pence dusted Kamala Harris. But because there was a fly on his head, nobody cares. Well, talking about Mitt Romney, remember he called uh, Russian aggression absolutely correctly all the way back in 2012 and Obama poo-pooed him, you know, as Cold War era policy, and look who's causing problems in the world today. Russia, lo behold. So, I'm afraid we're going to experience a similar phenomenon with Jefferson Shreve, where he'll approach and dance around talking about salient issues, but get laughed out of the room, and he doesn't have the fire, and ultimately lose to a, what should be, weak incumbent Democrat. You've got to put commercials out. I know he's got the money. 
money. Put commercials yep. out telling people this mayor went missing during the debates. Why was he gone? Was he drunk? Was he in rehab? These are the rumors. Joe Hawksett's never addressed it. So I think it's fair game at yeah. this point. Yeah. What happened during the riots? We need to know. Jason, we got to wrap things up. Thanks for coming on the show, my friend. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to Kendall and Casey. I'm Ethan Hatcher, joined by Brad Klopfenstein. Together, we're filling in. And up next, we'll continue this conversation about the mayor's race that's heating up already more than a million dollars on the table. And it's only July, ladies and gentlemen. So this is going to be incredible. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Stay tuned to 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kendall and Casey. Not hosted by Kendall and Casey, hosted by Ethan and Brad, Ethan Hatcher and Brad Klopfenstein. I'm from Saturday Night on the Circle. He's from Alpsbrow, the Klopfenstein. In the Greater Lawrence Chamber, that's actually the paying job. Alpsbrow's just a hobby. Um, Well, you know. Also, master of commerce, I suppose, master yeah. of brewing and master of commerce. I, uh, Those two things go hand in hand. I like the, I like business. I like beer. Nothing like mashing them together. Let's talk about the business of the city, which is the mayor's race that's already heating up. This thing is going to be a knuckle drag out fight, I think. But, but, but. <laughs> I think Joe Hogsnot's going to win. I don't want to say it, but I, th- I think that's going to be. I mean, they're already dropping a million dollars. Shreve has dropped $603,000 on uh, ad buys just for the month of July. Hogsnot spent a, another six-figure sum of a comparable amount. So we're already talking more than a million dollars on the table, and we have months until the November election. <laughs> so, Ethan, I've been saying for a long time, a long time, really since the primary, I, I've, I was involved with uh, our friend Abdul's campaign. Yes, so was I. Ran for mayor. Yes, you were there. Exactly. We're both there on election night. I mean, heck, I had bounced around the idea of running until Abdul said he wanted to do it. And I'm like, all right, Abdul, go knock him out. I think I, I think Abdul stood a chance of uh, connecting with the voters of Marion County, but there's no point in having sour grapes. He's not the nominee. Shreve is. And I'm look. Shreve has my vote. Want to get that out of the way. I'm definitely voting for Shreve because I am not a fan of uh, Joe Hogsnot. I live in Marion County. I have seen the way the city has declined since 2015. We've got to get this guy out of here. And if Shreve is the nominee, I would have made a different choice. But okay, fine. We'll go with him. I'm just afraid Shreve doesn't have the fire. He has the money. He bought his way through the primaries. He slapped more than $2 million to buy his way over Abdul in the primary event. Now, just to help put this into context of how much money we're talking about dumping in the Indi- Indiana mayoral race, which is unprecedented. Um, uh, he spent more money on the primaries than any other figure in uh, municipal election history in the state of Indiana. Two million dollars on that, whereas Jim Merritt dropped three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the whole damn campaign. Yep. So Jefferson Shreve has the ability and the opportunity. If I was his campaign, I would lock down every political avail for all of September and all of October and that first week of November. I would completely block out Joe Hogsett from even getting on the air. 
And he has the ability to do that. Talk a little bit more about the opportunity that Shreve has, because I agree with you. He's got a shot. This should be a very weak incumbent Democrat. He's got the opportunity. What does Shreve need to do he to lean to, into this? He needs to come out and have some very aggressive initiatives and then promote the hell out of those initiatives. And he's able to buy the airwaves. I mean, mm-hmm. we were getting multiple mailers a day at my house, big yep. posters. He wanted them to, wanted people to put Same those here. in the window, and I, which I like the poster idea in the window. I think that's a very visible and it's one way to connect to, to your supporters. But he needs to be aggressive and he needs to come up with his 10 points to making Indianapolis success. Or it could be three points. I don't care what it is. Three would be better. Three would be better. Better, it's easier to remember but yeah roll those out now get some earned media on that and just start hammering those things home and then start asking the hard questions on hogset mm-hmm. yeah, ask har- the questions that nobody else except jason hammers asking where the hell was he when the riots happened we've heard the rumors now we need to get an official statement from the mayor it, put on the fire man where is shree and, and, and asking that question is not being mean it nope. is a very reasonable question to ask of our leaders um, and you also mentioned earned media, which gives me cause for concern because he's already blowing it in the wake of that tragedy in uh, Broad Ripple where three people were shot a couple weekends ago and Hogsnot marches out. Now we have the tough on crime Joe Hogsnot marching out in the public. We've got to do something about this. You know, whereas the community of Broad, Broad Ripple is just voluntarily closing, shuttering their doors early at one o'clock in the morning, which how disgusting is that? Because Joe Hogsnot city is out of control. It's the business community of Broad Ripple that has to suffer because of his lackluster leadership and because that loser Ryan Mears, friend of the miscreant Mears. Yeah. Tom Dermody, who's mayor of Laporte, Tom Dermody, mayor of Laporte, Indiana, is he shows me every day the way you should be mayor. He uses Facebook Live. He goes live every day. And it could be anything from talking about what's going on at the local gymnasium to the water main break to the fire on Main Street. But he is talking to the people. He'll also go and he'll push initiatives. So and like say, fireside chats. Like they FDR. are like fireside chats. But he controls it. But he does it almost every day. Jefferson Shreve and his campaign, they need to be in Broad Ripple at midnight on a Friday night saying, this is unacceptable. We should not be able Able to, this is not what we are as a city. He should be downtown. He should be promoting the things that are good. He should be promoting what he wants, and he's not doing it. But when he's got the microphone in front of him, when he's got the attention of the media, when he's got an opportunity to take a stand, what does Shreve say? Oh, well, I sympathize with what Hogshead has to say about, about Broad Ripple. Why the hell do you? Why are you sympathizing with who should be an incredibly weak incumbent? You need to target on him. You need to put the fire on Man, you need to be hammering home how unsafe the city is and take him to task. That's what I want out of the Republican nominee. Where's the fire, Shreve? You got the dough. Where's the fire? He might be too nice of a man. I don't know if you've ever met him. He's an incredibly nice man, very rich man, which then begs the other question. Ethan, if you had half a billion dollars, wouldn't you just go buy an island in the Caribbean somewhere and say, see Indianapolis, I'm out? <laughs> Probably. That's that's what a lot of people would have done. I mean, and, you know, and more power to him. And he made almost $600 million from selling his storage business. But 
that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good leader for the city of Indianapolis. I believe wasn't he appointed uh, to his he, position on the city council? He was first elected in a uh, caucus. He was caucused in. He, caucused he, in. he did come back and win in a general election later, and then he lost because he ran against Jack Sandlin for that uh, state senate that, seat. That was part of the reason why I also supported Abdul, because Abdul has been front and center in the community for decades now without an eye for political office. He's just involved in the community, and I had to be reminded that Shreve was sitting on the city council. Jefferson who? That's what I said. And then, oh, <laughs> oh, Shreve. Oh, okay. He was on the city council. Well, well, we'll give him a shot. And then he's got the dough, but does he have the fire? And that's, that's that's what concerns me the most. He's man. smart. One of the smartest dudes I've ever met. Um, and, but you also have, I think, part of the reason why we have this disconnect and this decay uh, is because you have hostility coming from the inner city towards the suburbs. Because it's all us in the donut counties, it seems like, that complain about the crime coming out of Marion County. And Marion County almost seems to have the same attitude uh, uh, as the state senator from uh, Wisconsin, Latoya Johnson, who from the seat, from the uh, uh, legislature, from the floor of, of the Senate chamber, said F the suburbs. The suburbs. Because they don't know a damn thing about how life is in the city. Shut up, silly woman. Now, Brad, I actually can can speak up here because I grew up in the suburbs, but I now live downtown in the city of Indianapolis. So I have the com- basis for comparison. And I promise you, city of Indianapolis needs to be looking at these l- rural communities for how they run their, their, their towns, because it's a lot safer, a lot more stable, a lot more enjoyable in the rural communities in the suburbs than it is in the inner city. Speaking of somebody who freaking lives here. I promise you. I lived for years over at 13th and Ritter up until I moved to Lawrence, so I'm still in Marion County, but you're right. A city is only as good as what it tolerates. Yep. And that goes somewhat to the prosecutor, but in this instance... the miscreant mirrors. Yes, but (laughs) in this instance, we need a new mayor. We need vision. We need leadership. And we need somebody who says, we are not going to tolerate this. And you know what? If they're not going to tolerate it in Fishers and they're not going to tolerate it in Carmel, we're not going to tolerate it in Indianapolis. And the mayor's office isn't the prosecutor's office, but he can use the bully pulpit and the attention that that office brings to put pressure on the prosecutor to do his damn job, which is what we're looking for. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm getting uh, mean looks from darling so we need to break for the news thanks for listening to kendall and casey on 93 wibc welcome back to kendall and casey on 93 WIBC, I'm Ethan Hatcher. Brad Klopfenstein joining us as we wrap up at the top of the hour. Joe Biden set to make a trip overseas, meeting with King Charles for the first time. Oh, boy. We're going to get some good clips out of this, man. You always know wherever Joe goes, he bungles, he flubs. He's a gaffomatic man. Are, are we going to be back under the king? <laughs> you never know. He could be selling more state secrets, uh, you know like he did with the uh, Indian Prime Minister. I was just thinking, uh, uh, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. Am I evil? Am I like like an evil person? 
Oh my God. I mean, absolutely. Do I not tell you that enough? You are like the most evil guy I know, man. So you're right. We could become sub- subjects of the king once more. <laughs> are, are we going to have to change our money? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we're going to switch out the presidents and uh, start putting the queen back on there. Okay. Or do they have to change their money now? There's a good question. Because oh. for years they had the queen, but now it's King Charles. So do they switch out all the bills? You would think. Or yeah. is it? Or, or is it? Canada uh, does. Yeah. Or is it more of a memorial because none of the people on our bills are alive? I I don't know. I don't know how that we works. Have, I don't know how four questions and we demand answers. <laughs> these are the these are the burning questions. Or of course, during his visit, he could make another slip like he did in Connecticut of all places, where uh, he he closed his speech by saying, "God save the queen." All right, God save the queen, man. Yeah, that won't play so well in Britain if he does that, you know, because uh, <laughs> sorry, she did. That ship sailed. <laughs> I don't think Charles would take it take it too well. I've been waiting for this my whole life. <laughs> Frankly, a little surprised he got it. I, I think they were I think everybody was. Over. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, well, I thought uh, mom was going to outlive him. Well, she, she did a good run at it. <laughs> thought she was just going to hold on uh, kind of like... Uh, um, well, Betty White, you know. Yeah, yeah. Roll right on up, right on up to the cusp of 100. But that, that that's kind of unfortunate. You know, Biden, of course, he's going uh, for that trip up to Helsinki, ultimately, uh, to for the NATO summit um, up there in Finland. And Welcome, Finns, to NATO. Oh, boy. Um, and, and it's just not... I don't know. Biden, of course, is an extremely lackluster executive, and there's so much potential for stuff to go wrong under his oversight. (laughs) Yeah, you can only handle a person so much. Oh, it's insane. Um, Now, another story that I saw, uh, this this is kind of crazy. Remember Brittany Griner? I do. Of course, now we have Brittany Griner 2.0. Apparently, the WNBA collectively did not learn their lesson. I guess this young lady might need to take a trip to Russia, too, and see how that works out and get bailed out by the United States government. WNBA player Natasha Cloud, very upset with the Supreme Court rulings, uh, you know, that just were handed down on Thursday and Friday last week. We talked about at the beginning of the show, and she said, the United States is an effing joke in a trash country. Oh, after okay, they were, yeah. after they rescued Brittany Griner and brought her back, trash country. Yeah, I'm sorry. The WNBA ought to Not be wrapping learned. themselves in the flag for a little while, saying thank you USA for for getting her out of there because yeah, she could have been stuck there for a long time. Yeah, talk about not learning your lesson and not taking a cue from a, per, a, a person you should know. Didn't they? Didn't you follow that story? But then to be so completely ungrateful and dismissive of the United States, uh, she said that uh, Brown black and LGBT communities are too powerful to still be attacking issues separate. So they need to come together as a community and unify that the United States is trash and just could not disagree more. <laughs> and that's why I'm the WMDA. They don't air on these airwaves. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I thought we, they the barely air on any airwaves. <laughs> that well, watches them. I guess that's my point. You got to draw mean, the ratings. You yeah. Know? My, my point is that's the reason that, yeah. Well, that well, they, didn't that coach complain? Um, you know, he was somehow surprised uh, on Brittany Griner's triumphant return. Like barely anybody showed up. I think like less than half the uh, uh, stadium was sold. Oh, yeah. There, there, were, <laughs> there were hundreds of people a game that show up to those things. <laughs> 
hundreds of eyes on the on. <laughs> But yeah, um, obviously, she, she, you know, somebody who didn't learn their lesson and the WNBA collectively should be ashamed instead of, you know, elevating these people. Why not be grateful for having, you know, gotten gotten returned and passed over a Marine still sitting over there in Russia? Yeah. Now, admittedly, not everybody in the WNBA is is marching to the same drummer. But true, true. But, but you know, and she's allowed to have her opinion. However, you would think that she might look around and say, eh, the "USA kind of bailed out one of my uh, one of the other players here in the league." Thank you. Read the room, kind of yeah. deal. Yes, exactly. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Kendall and Casey, uh, Ethan Hatcher, and Brad Klopfenstein filling in. Now, did want to squeeze in a salient topic, which is the power outages across Indiana, um, AES, Indianapolis. We've had those horrible storms that we've had to deal with, and some people, including uh, producer Todd Meyer, he's still without power. So he's been out since Thursday. I talked to my friend Ron. It's Bry- ridiculous. My friend Ron Brymeyer lives over by glendale he has been out now for four days but i thought that this was just one or two little isolated things no this is all over town yeah and i'm starting to think aes might not have the capacity or maybe has not invested in the infrastructure to recover from something like this note while they've been raising rates so we're paying more for power than ever before but we have to deal with days out outages like we were living in the you know the before times like you know like this is still the 1920s Come on. Yeah, well, this reminds me of the fiasco with the water company. Indianapolis Power and Light was always kind of a pillar of the electric generating community, and they sold to AES, and their stock tanked, the pensions tanked, and AES does not seem to have the same attention to service that Indianapolis Power and Light did. And I'm looking around. Yes, we've had some bad storms. Yes, I understand that power goes out, but you know what? You fix it. You don't let people go with four days without power. And it's not just like onesies. It's one thing if if a tree fell on the, the service line to your house, you're probably going to be at the end of the line. These are entire neighborhoods that were, are without power. That's going on right now. We are not a third world country. Maybe we should be freeing up the market. I know this is an issue that's near and dear to your heart, but these are the kind of problems that crop up when you create government-sponsored monopolies that have total control and ownership over a singular service. It's not like you could ditch AES and go to some other energy energy provider like you're stuck right. same thing with citizens energy there is no alternative gas company there is no alternative water company you got one answer and that's it and if they don't pay the bills if they don't service the lines if they don't care uh, take care of the infrastructure that you pay for you're screwed because there's no other option there's no competition in the marketplace yeah, they are a regulated utility and i i don't think I personally don't think that regulated utilities where you only have one option should be investor owned. I absolutely think that these should be not for profits, much like Citizens Energy Group. But yeah, the whole point of if somebody's granted a monopoly like that, they're supposed to be investing in the the the, the workers and the trucks and the, the equipment that they need to recover from a disaster like this. And there's mutual assistance. I don't know where all the other mutual assistance is. Either they're not asking for it, it's not coming here, but there's no excuse that people should be out of power for a week. You also have the phenomenon that's very similar to the state of California when you have these investor-owned government monopolies. Um, and it's essentially a race to the bottom because they have every incentive to cut costs, but the only costs to cut are maintenance.
maintenance costs. Correct. And so they don't perform the maintenance. And then you have 90 year old cables that finally wear through and the electric lines break and start forest fires, you know, because they didn't maintain the lines because they didn't want to spend the money. So. But I think we should start asking the questions. AES, where are you? I don't believe your outage maps. No. I, I know way too many people that are without power right now. We, we get, we're we paying for the service, and we're not receiving the service. So there's got to be you know some answers uh, to these problems. You're listening to 93 WIBC. There was another thing I wanted to squeeze in. Missed it earlier in the show, but I caught this on Instagram. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Alex Jones, the personality. Uh, very uh, eccentric, shall we say. He's more of a performance artist than a broadcaster. Um, um, but he, he, great, great endless meme potential. And this is where he was turned into a heavy metal intro that I think is perfect. And Kevin, we'll see if you agree. I will go to hell before I sit here and I watch this country and the world turned over to these savages. I'm done. I'm pissed. And I'm not putting up with it anymore. You Satanists want to sacrifice the West. You want to kill the beautiful goddess that is the West, you people are enemies, and we're going to get your ashes, and we know what you're up to, and we're coming for you. That was a vicious scream right there at the end. That is amazing. Kevin, what's the name of your band again? Uno Gold. Uno Gold. This is, is that how you're, you're going to end your next Uno Gold show? Yeah, honestly, we could probably even just use that song as intro music to walk up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we can it. try to mimic that heavy metal style of Alex Jones on lead vocals. Oh, my God. Like, and he just, He's not even trying. That's the best part. It's just clipped. Um, I like that. And then probably the greatest songify ever of Alex Jones. We don't have time to play it, but look up... Um, uh, Alex Jones, Bob Iver-esque indie folk song. Yeah, I've heard that one. Oh my god, it's brilliant. And I will say, I actually did make a rap beat one time, and I spliced a bunch of Alex Jones clips and put it over and it worked excellent. Meme Lord Alex Jones. <laughs> Great material. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Ethan and Brad filling in. We'll be wrapping things up in the next segment. You don't want to miss it because the conversation continues on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This land is your land and this land is my oh, I like land. This. From the California yeah. to the New York Island the redwood forest to the gulf stream waters this land was made for you and me you're listening to kendall and casey on 93 wibc i'm ethan hatcher from saturday night on the circle and that's the master of brewing and commerce we're hopping with the brad klopfenstein and wrapping things up here on a Monday before July 4th. I've had a hell of a fun show, guys. Oh, it's, it's been, been awesome. It's been great. How do you like doing mornings? 
or mid mornings? Um, I like any opportunity to be on the air of WIBC, but truth be told, I hate mornings. I am not a morning person. This bright and chipper attitude you see, it's all an act. I'm, you know, miserable. On you got to crash it. I've, I've woken up, so, you know, of course it's 11.50, but, you know, 9 a.m. <laughs> That's why I got all my work done last night, you know, so I didn't have to drag my butt in here six o'clock in the morning and go grab all the sound and put all the type, you know, type and put all the stories together. Like, didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I've done mornings. It's, it's not my favorite, yeah. but. But but thank you, Kendall and Casey, and thank you, uh, uh, executive producer Matt and programming director David, for giving Brad and I the opportunity to fill in here on the show. I'm certainly not going to complain no, just because no, I, mornings I are not my cup of tea. I appreciate the ask. It's like, yeah. Heck like, yeah. I get to come in and talk about whatever we want to talk about. Heck, that's great. Goofing off while talking about the news. I mean, you know. One of the greatest jobs on earth. I love this work. It is. Although not quite as good as my actual paying job being president of the Greater Lawrence Chamber of Commerce. Hashtag why I love Lawrence. But this is way more fun. I know. It actually is. This is pretty darn fun. Thanks for <laughs> listening to 93 WIBC. We're wrapping up now. You may have thought the age of exploration had long since come to an end, but I love when archaeologists make modern discoveries, stuff hidden in the sands or the forests or the jungles, and this coming from the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, where archaeologists have found another undiscovered Mayan village that was inhabited, probably uh, important from the year 250 to 1000 AD. Isn't that cool? Hidden in the jungles, found it with LIDAR, 50-foot tall pyramids, and they're like, oh, we didn't know this was here. This is a story that's happened many times in Mexico, finding these ruins, but it's cool every time it does. It is. My wife used to go to Mexico, and she would go to the, the Mayan ruins, and she was talking to some of the locals, and they're like, well, no, these aren't the only ones. These are just the ones that we keep up for the tourists. They're mm-hmm. like, there's another one right over here. And she went walking through the jungle a little bit. And sure enough, there's another pyramid there. But it's just they Very. didn't have the wherewithal to, to keep it up. Well, and a lot of the stuff was uh, decimated by the Catholic colonists who came in. And we toured. I, I went to Mexico, uh, too, before and toured some of these Mayan ruins. And one of them they had dismantled to build the Catholic church. So it was made with the stones Wow. <laughs> of, the, of the Mayan pyramid. They're like, no, no, no. We got to repurpose this. That's common throughout history, though, because uh, the pyramids were plundered for architectural building material for centuries. You have several mosques uh, that are constructed in Egypt with pyramid stone. Um, You got the same thing with uh, uh, retainer walls or uh, churches in England that were constructed with material from Hadrian's Wall, where they just dismantled the Roman wall, the stoneworks. You know, they already got this stone lying around. It's a valuable material. Just, you know, repurpose this stuff it's like ancient recycling but you're taking you're, you're, you're gutting our history you, you like antiques and I old do. buildings let me add, have you ever been across the wabash cannonball bridge south of vincennes no tell me about it okay so it's an old rail bridge the railroad pulled out 100 years ago the local farmer bought the bridge turned it into a toll bridge it's a wooden plank one lane and it's about a half mile long Ooh. so it costs like two dollars to go across it but that'd be worth it oh the, one of the cool things is the guardrails on the side are actually the old tracks from when it was a rail line. Oh, wow. So if you stop and look, it's like, oh, that's rail as opposed to a normal guardrail. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's way cool. But yeah, because it's one lane, it's not uncommon that you get two cars going in opposite directions. And then it's kind of the Mexican standoff of somebody's got to back up. 
so that you could both get through. But now, it is ab- it is way cool to go across. I know. I'm glad you mentioned my antiquing hobby because I kind of wanted to brag here in the last segment. Please we have a, do. We have another story um, from Germany in the town of Nordlingen, Bavaria, where they found a 3,000-year-old bronze sword in a burial mound with three bodies. And this is apparently in pristine con- condition. It comes from the Bronze Age of the medieval period. And they're very seldom found in that good of condition or found at all being so aged. But I had a cool experience out in Pennsylvania. Uh, I was antiquing with a friend in Adamstown, and he just very casually pointed. He's like, hey, did you check out that dagger there? And take a look. Ooh, God, got to check this out. It had the aged bronze patina. It looked very ornate. It was only 100 bucks, and better yet, on a 20% sale. So I got this thing for 80 bucks, but had a hunch that it was worth asking around about. So I took this dagger and farmed it to several appraisers. I tried taking it to the Indiana State Museum, uh, where he, the, the curator there said his ex- expertise was in Indiana antiques. I also tried taking it to Newfields, the uh, Indianapolis Art Museum, and getting them to take a look at it, but they refused to uh, appraise any items that weren't within their co- collection. But I eventually got connected with Artemis Galleries of Colorado, where I shipped this dagger and discovered... It turns out to have tested positive for being consistent with a Han Dynasty dagger from the Bronze Age of China, which makes that 2,000 year old that I picked up for 80 bucks in a Pennsylvania antique store. And I am holding on to that thing like grim death. I just think that's so hella cool. What's the show on PBS? Uh, antique- Antiques Roadster. Ant- Antiques Roadshow. That's something you absolutely ought to get on the Antiques Roadshow. As an road Antiques Roadshow moment, I was blown away when it tested positive. I mean, just to put into perspective how old that is, the dagger that I found in Pennsylvania is older than the historical existence of Jesus. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't take it to Pawn Stars. No. They're, they're going to offer you like 20 bucks. Yeah, best we can do. You know, yeah. $50, best <laughs> sorry, we can do. Sorry, best we can do. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kendall and Casey with Ethan and Brad filling in. Guys... I've had a fun time. Kev, thanks for the beautiful music selection. And Brad, thanks for bringing your great attitude to the show. Ethan, it's been a blast. Kevin, thank you very much. Can't wait to be here again on 93 WIBC. I was strolling, the wheat fields waving, the dust clouds rolling, the voice coming chanting, and the fog was lifting. This land was made for you and me.